0: listening to the podcast of Village Church in Burbank, California. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right, so we're picking up our Sermon on the Mount series right where we left off and this is going to be the lengthiest passage of Scripture that we're going to look at together as we're in the Sermon on the Mount series. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. So we'll cover all of what's left of chapter 6 today. Uh, because I feel like this is, this is a, uh, a passage that, even though there's a lot of things sprinkled here, there's a unifying theme. And, and so to that end, the title of the sermon this morning is Leaving Worry behind. And I think this is going to be a very helpful sermon for a lot of people here, leaving worry behind. Let's look at our text, and then we're going to jump right in. Jesus says in verse 19, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is There your heart will be also, verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, in other words, the way that you perceive, the way that you look at life, the way that you assess the value of things, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness, No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore, Therefore, and in light of everything I've just said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear, Is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, They neither toil nor spend. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So, third time, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. All right. We are living in what many have dubbed the age of anxiety. Over the last 20, 25 years or so, the number of people who are going through a lot of worrying, anxiety disorders, panic attacks, phobias, things of that sort, has absolutely skyrocketed in our society. Anxiety disorders right now are the number one mental health problem in America, that number is climbing, actually, the percentage is climbing among both children and adults. The last I saw, something like 18% of all Americans have been diagnosed with some form of anxiety disorder. Roughly, I mean, you could just think of it as maybe one out of every five Americans. But even among people who, who do not have Maybe a life crippling disorder, just the level of worrying and anxiety has, has just increased substantially, especially since the pandemic started two years ago when, when COVID 19 became a household term. Just during the first month or two, it was widely reported that the, the sales of anti anxiety prescription medication spiked. from one month to the next. So there's a lot of worrying happening in our world, and especially in our society. And when you look around, it's not too hard to understand why. (laughs) Because there's a lot of things we could worry about. I mean, first of all, there's just the -the run-of-the-mill things of life we can worry about. We can worry about, you know, is our marriage going to make it? We can worry: Is, is are we going to be able to keep up with our mortgage payments? With with uh, gas prices raising and and just inflation in general, are we going to be able to keep up with this? We worry about our children: Is is little Johnny going to turn out okay, or is he going to become uh, an axe murderer? You know. We worry about our dreams. You know, I think particularly here in Los Angeles, that's that's a worry that's very acute. People move here sometimes because they have a dream, and they think this is the place where dreams come true, and so they worry, you know, is is this going to happen for me? Am I going to meet the right person? Am I going to um, get my lucky break? Am I going to achieve my dreams? We worry about aging in our society like never before. So much of our anxiety is wrapped around the pounds we're putting on and the wrinkles we're developing, and the aches and pains we feel in our bodies, and the, the loss of sex drive and sex appeal, and, and all of that, you know, as we get older, wanes to some degree. And so we pour billions and billions and billions of dollars into the youth industry so we can have our liposuctions and facelifts and implants and you name it. <laughs> but then there's, you know, serious, like, like especially serious things that we worry about. We worry about the proliferation of nuclear weapons, particularly in the hands of people like Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un. And, and there's n- numerous countries now that have nuclear capability, and some of them are not very pro-America either. We can worry about that. And then we're told, by the way, it's just a matter of time you know, before uh, you know, terrorists get a hold of that kind of technology. And you know, when that happens, who knows what kind of catastrophes might might take place. And, and we're even told that right now, as I'm speaking, there are terrorist cells developing all over the place, all over the nation, in fact, and and we can't possibly monitor them all. We do our best to protect ourselves, but uh, it's just a matter of time. We're told before somebody somewhere strikes again, and who knows, it could be in LA, you know. Be very afraid, we're, we're warned. Uh, a lot of people are worried about things like climate change. Many scientists tell us that Within two or three decades, life on Earth can be dramatically altered. Uh, you know, no less than a billion people being displaced around the globe, and. Uh, governmental upheaval, the loss of different species going extinct, and diseases we've never imagined before. And and we're told that even to some degree, it's already too late. We've already caused irreparable damage. And then you have nations like China and India that, that are just now coming into the industrial revolution, and they're turning all kinds of pollution out with no regulations whatsoever. And there are a lot of people worried about climate change, Then there's the pandemic, you know? Many people still concerned, anxious about, when's the next wave gonna come in? What's that gonna look like? Or is there something else lurking behind the corner? Um, And if you're not worried about the pandemic, maybe you're worried about some of the collateral results of the pandemic and how this has affected our lives socially, economically. We worry about the educational deficit in our children going to school, you know? There's so many things that we can worry about. We live in a very scary world. And I think one of the things that's important for you to know is that this level of anxiety and worry is actually physically harmful to us. Your body, some of you know, your body has this built-in fight or flight mechanism. So so whenever you're faced with like a real immediate danger, your pituitary gland produces these chemicals, these hormones that get released into your bloodstream. And the, the, the purpose of this chemical reaction is to give you extraordinary strength and hyper-focus and attention so you can instantly make a decision in that moment, fight or flight. I, uh, the last time I experienced that was yesterday morning. In fact, I, um, I was in my house, my dog's, we're in the backyard. We have a completely fenced-in backyard. One of our dogs is named George Harrison. He, uh, he has long, shaggy black hair. And George, we love George, and he's got a lot of anxiety. Uh, he's a rescue, but he needs to hear this sermon. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, I was in my kitchen, and I, I, was, I was at my espresso machine making a latte, and all of a sudden, George Harrison goes nuts. I've never heard him bark like this before. And so it got my attention. And uh, so I kind of walked over and I looked through the blinds. There was a big coyote chasing George Harrison around our yard. And he's quick. He's quick enough to where he can evade him for a little while. And so, and instantly I just felt that rush of chemicals shoot through my veins. And I, I just sprung into action, ran outside, shooed the coyote off. We have this like seven, seven and a half foot fence. Uh, on, on one eight, uh, side of our house, that coyote leaped that fence like it was nothing. I've never seen anything like that in my life. It was impressive. And so I was like, yeah, George did not have a chance. That was just a matter of time. But, uh, and then just earlier this week, my son was sitting down having lunch, and he was outdoors, and, and right outside, right next to him, was a baby rattlesnake. And so he went and got somebody to help, but Carson knows exactly what that feeling is like, that surge of chemicals, you know, turning through your body. And so what happens when we have this, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You've had this experience before. So what happens when you have that chemical cocktail in your body, it makes your breathing rate go up, your heart rate go up, you start sweating, and again, it gives you this hyper vigilance, this hyper focus to deal with the matter at hand. It's sort of like this short-term emergency solution to a, a very immediate present danger. But it was designed to be a rare occurrence. And see, the problem is this when we're when we're living in a state of constant worry and anxiety, to some degree, this chemical phenomenon in your body is happening all the time, nonstop. Because we live on the as as in, in anxiety, we're living on the edge too much, and so it stresses things in our body. It, it compromises our immune system, our heart, our liver, our libido. If you don't care about anything else, um, it can alter the chemistry of the brain. You know, all these chemicals flowing through your bloodstream—it's—it's it's not good for it to be constant. For that tap to be constantly running. And scientists have been telling us for years and years. That there's actually a direct correlation between your level of anxiety and your ability to fight off sickness, fight off cancer cells and and the onset of Alzheimer's and all kinds of stuff. There was actually one study that shows that up to 90% of the ailments that we go to the doctor for are at least indirectly related to anxiety. Anxiety, worry, is, is one of the great quality of life killers. I mean, it's very simple. It's hard for you to be happy and live joyfully when you're always anxious and worrying. This chemical cocktail in your body is designed to tell your body things are not okay. Well, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, just think about it. it doesn't, it's impossible for you to live in a consistent place of peace when your body thinks things are not okay. And so it undermines our quality of life. It undermines us emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So what do we do about this? I mean, it's another thing to worry about, isn't it? I mean, we worry about our worry now. Great. Thanks, Pastor Ryan. Well, how do we get free from this? That's really what I want to focus on. How do we get free from this? And so what I want to do this morning is I want to give you first two, I think, very important, helpful, practical tips that you need to hear a pastor tell you. You need to hear it from a pastor. I want to give you two helpful things, and then we're going to get into Jesus' teaching about this passage, about this subject. But first, a couple helpful things. Number one, and this is really for everybody here. We all need to understand that for a certain percentage of our population, this issue of anxiety is not simply an emotional issue or a spiritual issue. For a certain percentage of people, there's a physiological cause behind anxiety. I just mentioned at the early part of the sermon that That something like 18% of Americans have been diagnosed with some form of anxiety disorder. It's not just an emotional thing or a spiritual thing for these people. There's a physical component to this. And so I just want you to hear it from me if you're one of those folks. If you need medical help, get medical help. If you need psychiatric help, get psychiatric help. There's absolutely no shame in that whatsoever. You know, just like people can have chronic stomach issues, lung issues, heart issues, liver issues, your brain is another organ in your body. And for some people, the the chemical balance in their brain is is off. And if your neurotransmitters and neuroregulators are not firing correctly, you're going to have a really difficult time living in peace. And so get help if you need help. Amen? Amen? Sometimes, sometimes people pray, Lord, take this away. Take this anxiety away. And God's like, go see this person who I've given insight and knowledge and training to and they're going to help you. It reminds me of the guy who's drowning in the ocean and he's crying out for God to save him. And a helicopter comes. The guy's like, no, no I don't need a helicopter. God's going to save me. And God's like, who do you think sent the helicopter? You know? So, so there's, if, if, you're, if you're one of those folks, there's no more shame... And going see a specialist about the chemistry issue in your brain. Any more than there's shame in seeing a specialist for for stomach problems or heart problems. I probably don't even need to say that here. I think at Village Church, some of you are just really level-headed. You understand it. You get it. But folks, I've been in places and I've met Christians. It's like they have this complete categorical rejection of anything that has anything to do with psychology or psychiatry. As if it's all from the devil and it's wrong-headed, it's dangerous, it's destructive and it's complete nonsense. If you need help, get help. All right. Second thing is this. If you're if you're at all prone towards worry, anxiety or depression. For God's sakes, literally, watch less news. I'm totally serious about that. Watch less news, consume less social media. Here's the deal, as an American, and and all of us here, I'm assuming, are Americans, if you're an American, you are actually statistically in a very safe place. You are far safer than most people that live in other parts of the world, and you're much, much safer than most people who have lived throughout history the chances of something catastrophic happening to you are very slim. Yes, yes, you could, you could contract a deadly disease. Yes, you could be driving over a bridge and it collapses when you drive on it. That can happen conceivably, but the chances of something like that happening to you are very, very small. We are in a very safe place here in America, and yet we don't feel safe. In fact, we have, in general, so much more anxiety than people who live in third world countries. We're much safer than them, but we feel more threatened. Why is that? Well, think about it like this. No less than 100 years ago, it used to be that the only catastrophes that you would ever experience were the ones that happened directly to you and to the people you knew in your immediate vicinity, and those are the only catastrophes usually you would even hear about. You might, you might hear about some tragic thing that happens halfway around the world, but usually that information wouldn't get to you until much, much later. And even then, it was only in the form of information. Somebody would come to you and say, uh, hey, did you hear about that uh, earthquake that happened in Lisbon? It killed 1,000 people. Yeah, it happened six months ago. And you're like, man, that's too bad. But by the time you even heard about it, these people have already moved on. That's how you and I are wired to process catastrophes. But now, because of the advent of the internet, 24-hour cable news, and smartphones, at on-demand, at our fingertips, we have access, as, as many times per day as we want, we have access to virtually any catastrophe that happens around the world, and we experience it in real time. And it's not just in the form of information, but even in the form of images and video, which is very powerful to your brain. Don't do it right now, but sometime today, take out your phone, go to whatever media site you prefer, probably at least nine times out of ten, at the very front page, at front and center, is going to be some horrible news story, some horrible catastrophe happening somewhere around the world whether it's man-made or natural or whatever. It's going to be some bad news. Because what have they figured out? Bad news sells. Money's what makes the world go round. That's not that's not shocking to you. But for, for news media, money translates into clicks, views, and ratings. And good news doesn't sell well compared to bad news. And so they want to make bad news front and center in their programs, on their websites, wherever. And so... Every day they want to tell you about all of the terrible things that happened today and they sensationalize it because they're all competing for ratings. And they don't want you to just know about what happened. They want you to feel what happened. They sensationally, they they want to they want to make you feel the tragedy because if they can penetrate the mind and get into the realm of your feelings, there's a greater chance you're gonna read the next article and click on that to read more or tune in tomorrow night to hear more about the story. And so it's like every single day, we just get bombarded with the worst that the world has to offer. Every murder, every psycho, every natural disaster, every senseless massacre day in and day out. Not even in the form of bits of information, but in the form of imagery and video. And your brain locks that in. And I just want you to know that that is not healthy for you to consume and great quantities on a daily basis you will not be a healthy soul if you're feeding your soul a steady diet of fear and worry and anxiety and craziness and yet that's exactly what our societies become because we're drunk on this stuff And what compounds it even more is that the whole purpose of your body having a fight or flight mechanism is to prepare you to act and do something. It's intended to give you a release. You're either going to fight or flight. But if you're just laying on your couch watching the news, hearing about the catastrophe of the day, there's nothing for you to do. And so you don't have a release and it just swims around your head. And it makes you miserable. So I would encourage you, even when you do hear about catastrophes that happen around the world, do something, even if it's just pray. You know, when I hear about the continuing atrocities that are happening in Ukraine, I'm committed to praying for these people. And I'm praying for my Russian friends as well. But I'm praying. i got to do something about it. I'm not going to let this swim around my head. I'm going to do something. Occasionally, the Lord might speak to you to go even further. Maybe, maybe God might have you donate something towards an organization that's on the ground helping people in whatever catastrophe you're, you're thinking about. Um, you can't do that with everything, obviously, but, but whatever the Lord tells you to do, we want to do it. But having said that, and listen, this might sound a little callous and cold-hearted, but I, I definitely don't mean it that way. I, I think this is going to help you. Listen, having done what the Lord's told you to do, now you're at a point where it's time to move on. Because you are not capable of shouldering all of the pain and suffering that this world gives. You you can't do it. You are a finite human being. Only God can be responsible and carry that. Now as Christians, yes, we are called to solidify ourselves with the pain and suffering in the world. But we can't solidify ourselves with every occurrence of pain and suffering in the world. And if we try to, it's going to make you cynical. It's going to make you miserable. And you're going to become formed into a person who ultimately can't be any good for anybody. See, what God wants to do is say, come along with me. And I'm going to give you a piece of my heart. You see this painful world that's so burdened with suffering. I want to give you a slice of it you're not capable of handling the whole thing, the weight of the world in your back, let me give you a slice of the world's pain. And this is what I want you to focus on and care about and be responsible for. And having done that, take the rest of it and give it back to me. Because I want you to go forth living a joyful life, not swimming around in misery. Does that make sense? All right. So those are just a couple helpful things that, that are just... Uh, so in my heart, and I try to tell people this as often as I can. If you need help, get help, and for God's sakes, watch less news. When, however much news you watch right now, watch less. Watch less. I remember hearing a story about um, these uh, these miners who uh, I guess there was like some collapse mine shaft or something in some other part of the world and, and so they but they had to go down but they were only able to go down for like 17 minutes and then they had to spring up cuz their bodies weren't capable of handling the toxicity in the air about 17 minutes that sounds about right all right i think your soul can only hand out, handle just a certain certain amount of time consuming that stuff and then you got to turn it off all right have i made you mad okay Now let's get into Jesus' teaching uh, here on this topic of worry because to me, Jesus' teaching here is going to be so much more helpful than what I just gave you, as helpful as those things are, because what Jesus is doing is he's not giving you a coping mechanism for worry. He's giving us a way of being free from worry. How many of you would be glad to be free from worry? Well, that's what Jesus is interested in, and he does so in a very radical way. It's actually counter-cultural, counterintuitive from what the modern self-help guru would tell you about worry. Because Jesus' main concern is that is not that you become a happier, healthier, more secure person. That's not his main concern. Jesus' main concern is to form you into an authentically kingdom person, a person for whom your entire life is under God's reign and you're oriented around God's kingdom. Jesus understands if I can form each one of you into kingdom people, generally speaking, you're gonna be a happier person. You're gonna be a healthier person, and you're gonna feel more secure. But if you make happiness and health and security the bullseye, then generally, you're not gonna be happier, healthier, and more secure, and you're gonna probably miss out on the kingdom altogether. So what Jesus wants to do is make the bullseye of our lives The kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom we just read. Seek the kingdom, and then all these other things are going to be added unto you. So let's look at the key passage here. I'm not going to preach much longer. Let's look at the key passage, verse 26. I want to look at it in a couple spurts here. Verse 26, Jesus says, consider the birds. They don't sow or reap. They don't have storerooms and barns, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than birds? So we're supposed to trust God for food the same way that birds trust God for food. Got it. Great. But here's my question. I think it's good sometimes to ask good questions. Don't birds sometimes starve to death? Like I've never known one personally to starve to death, but I'm sure there are birds somewhere that starve to death. Sometimes birds get eaten by wild animals, and sometimes birds die horrible deaths. You know, we see them on the road all the time. So, how is appealing to birds supposed to make us feel more secure? Jesus says, trust God, trust God like the birds. Okay, Jesus, but sometimes birds starve to death. Thank you very much. But then it gets even worse. Jesus says, here's my second example, verse 28. He says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, (laughs) will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Okay, so we're not to worry about what we wear, but trust God to clothe us the same way that he clothes the lilies and the grass. And yet Jesus in this very passage admits that sometimes the lilies and the grass are not very well clothed because sometimes they get burned up in the oven, So it sounds like Jesus could be saying, trust God like birds who sometimes starve to death and trust God like flowers who sometimes get burnt up. Wow, that makes us all feel more secure, doesn't it? Well, if we're puzzled by this passage, I think it's because we're assuming that Jesus is trying to carry out an agenda that he's not actually trying to carry out, We assume that Jesus wants to alleviate our worry by promising us happiness, health, and security in this world here and now. And if that's what Jesus is doing, I think all of us can agree he's not doing a great job of that. But folks, that's not what Jesus is doing in this passage. Jesus is well aware sometimes birds starve and die horrible deaths. He's well aware that sometimes flowers get burnt up. He's also well aware that sometimes kingdom people starve to death and get stripped naked and beaten and persecuted and and die horrible deaths. I mean, elsewhere in the Gospels, Jesus is going to tell his disciples, listen, guys, there's going to come a time they're going to hand you over to the authorities. They're going to arrest you, beat you persecute you. Some of you are going to have to be willing to die because you're going to be killed in barbaric ways. They're going to chop your heads off, saw you in half, crucify you upside down on crosses. Be ready for that. But he's like, but don't worry about it because <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Spirit's going to give you what to say. So he, it's not like he's naive. He totally understands. We're talking about a man who within a few days is going to be crucified. He understands bad things happen to good people, just like bad things happen to birds, bad things happen to flowers. So what's going on? Here's the key, right here, the key thought. His point in this passage is not about the security of the birds and the flowers. The point is about the carefreeness of the birds and the flowers. Birds and flowers trust God to feed and clothe them And then when they die, they die, but they don't worry about it. Birds and flowers live fully present in the moment under God's reign. And then when they die, they die. Of course they die. But the whole reason they're able to live carefree is they don't worry about their dying. So also, Jesus is teaching us to live fully under the reign of God in the present moment and don't worry about preserving your life. Don't worry about storing up treasures. Trust God to meet your basic needs, and if it turns out you starve to death like the birds starve to death, so what? Birds don't worry about that stuff, and neither should you and I, because we're much more valuable than birds, and from eternity's perspective, he's saying, it's gonna be all right. God's gonna take care of you. You know, we're children of the resurrection. Jesus is saying, let's live like it. Let's approach the way we look at life this way. Trust God to meet your basic needs. And if it turns out that you get burned at the stake, just like flowers get burned up, so what? You don't see flowers going around worrying about that. So why should we worry about it? We're much more valuable than flowers. It's going to be all right. Let the worries go. Live carefree as the birds and the flowers. And be fully alive under the reign of God in the present moment. See, you and I have the, unlike birds and flowers, you and I have the capacity to worry because unlike birds and flowers, we have the capacity to set our hearts and make our treasure things in this life, in this world, things that pass away, things that moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, things that will eventually fade away. And if that's where your treasure is, if that's what your treasure is, that's what your heart will be. And if that's where your heart is, you cannot help but worry. We worry because our identity and our worth and our security and our happiness gets wrapped up in stuff that the moth and the thieves can steal and take. So for example, if, if your worth and identity as a human being is tied to your youthful looks and your beauty, you cannot help but worry about aging. If you're worth an identity, if your treasure, in other words, is wrapped up in your money, then you can't help but worry about a struggling economy. If your treasure is in this world, then of course you're going to have anxiety about terrorism. Because terrorists can bomb your treasure. And nuclear weapons can annihilate your treasure. And pandemics can undermine your treasure. And climate change can destroy your treasure. And cancer, the heart attack you might have tonight, can take away your treasure. So you're going to be filled with worry because you're clinging to these kinds of things that can be taken away from you in a moment. And we all understand whatever we have in this life eventually is going to fade away. We can't take it with us. And so you've got to be worried about it. And Jesus is saying, he's not saying this. He's not saying don't worry because these things cannot happen to you. No. What he's saying is don't worry because yeah, these things can happen to you, but it doesn't matter. Let go of all of this other stuff as your treasure and make your treasure one thing and one thing only. Our heart, our treasure, our identity, our worth, and our security is to be rooted in one thing, and that's the kingdom of God, because thieves can't steal the kingdom. Moth and rust can't eat the kingdom. Pandemics can't undermine the kingdom. Terrorists can't bomb the kingdom. Nuclear weapons can't annihilate the kingdom. Climate change can't destroy the kingdom. The heart attack you might have tonight is not going to take away the kingdom. The kingdom of God stands forever. It has no ends. So put all your eggs in that basket. Make that your heart. Make that your treasure. Close your eyes all across this place. And I want to just ask you one simple question that I want us to meditate on and reflect on. And Holy Spirit, I I just ask you to help us as we search our hearts. I want to ask you this one simple question. And be honest with yourself. What are you worried about? Right here and right now, what are you worried about? What are you worried about? And maybe there's a whole catalog of things. But just ask the Holy Spirit to give you one thing, one thing that, that tends to dominate your thinking more than anything else. It just weighs on you periodically, all the time maybe. And Holy Spirit, will you just help each one of us in this room or those that are listening through the stream or whatever. Lord, just show us what's behind that worry. What are we clinging to? What are we grabbing on to in an unhealthy way? And whenever you locate that thing, I want you to just represent it somehow in your mind, whatever it is, whatever that treasure is that, that, Ultimately, it's something that fades, it's threatened, and and it causes worry. I want you to just represent it. Just get an image of it in your mind. And just like we sang a few moments ago, will you surrender that to God? In fact, I want you to just picture yourself holding that thing, that representation of your worry. I want you to picture yourself holding it, you're clinging to it. And whatever that thing is that's causing you worry, I want you to just. Open your palms, open your hands, open your fingers. In fact, maybe you would just physically do that right now. Open your palms, open your hands. You know, we're meant to live with open hands, easy come, easy go. I want you to open your palms and hear the Lord say, you can trust me with that. It doesn't belong to you. Let it go. Let it go as much now as if you've just died. We live much better when we live as people who have already died. Just let it go, release it. Feel that release and trust God. Financial worries, just turn those over to God. It doesn't mean you can't think about your finances, but there shouldn't be any paralyzing worry there. Turn them over to God. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. Trust him with your finances. And if there's ever a time where you're supposed to be broke, then be broke. Okay, worse things have happened. But it'll be better for your finances when we don't need the finances. We're better at our health when we don't need the health. The one thing we ever only really need we've already got forever and that's Jesus Christ. And so just rest knowing that you are secure in his hands. He's clinging to you. And there's nothing that's going to pluck you out of his grasp. He gives you security. He gives you joy. He gives you life. And joy the joy he wants to give you. Enjoy the life he sends into your spirit. Rest in that. He says, my peace I give unto you. Just receive it, sit in it, enjoy it. And let the cares of this life fade away. There's nothing more dangerous to the kingdom of darkness than a follower of Jesus who has nothing to lose. And they're not clinging to anything else but Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. To learn more about Village Church, visit our website at villagechurchburbank.org.